Guys, it's a good day to be in the house. We're going to continue our series today, uh, Make Room. And um, are, you, are you enjoying what the Lord is doing? Is he speaking to you through, the, through, this, through these series? That's good. Well, today I believe that the Lord's going to do the same thing. I'm not speaking today. I'm making room for somebody else. Justin Bashirs, come on. Come on out. Thank you, brother. I've got to watch this tripwire over here. Our lead guitarist set a booby trap for me. So our worship pastor will need to get some wireless packs, taking up another offering. That ain't a joke. That's for real. All the worship guys are like, hallelujah, bless God. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Just a couple of housekeeping things before we get started. I don't know if you can see that in the back. Uh, if you're wondering what this shiny object here is, this is a University of Tennessee lapel pin. Okay? Uh, uh, University of Tennessee is playing for the SEC championship today. Haven't won one since I've been alive. So we're just going to stretch our hands towards Tampa this morning. We're going to stretch our hands towards Tampa. Look, bless God, I see you. Look, I see that hand. I appreciate it. You know what? But see, here's the beautiful thing about the kingdom, right? The word tells you that if you're not a Vol fan, look, bless those that curse you. Pray for your enemies, right? This is a biblical mandate. But the beautiful thing about the kingdom is you've got Alabama fans. You've got Vols fans. You've got Memphis, Memphis fans. You've got Kentucky fans. Dare I say Florida fans can all be brought into the kingdom, and we have commonality in Jesus. Um, so thank you, and God knows that I'm a Vol fan, so he knows and he understands my weakness. So anyways, we're continuing our Make Room series this morning. I'm excited to share. I've been preparing. I feel like I have a, a word for us this morning, and one thing, as we've moved out of the, um, the, the last series we had where, where Pastor Kevin had the red ball and making, making room for the unexpected, he used a different word. He used capacity. And I feel like a lot of us looked at all of the day-to-day -day things that are going on in our lives, and we started wondering, God, where are there areas that, that, that I don't have capacity in? And, and I've noticed him transition us from all of the external things regarding capacity to moving towards the internal things in the kingdom and making room in those places inside of us. Amen. So I'm excited to share this morning. So um, we're going to be um, looking at a, a familiar passage. I say familiar, may, may or may not be, um, out of Joshua chapter 24. Okay. Just give you a little background, a little history on Joshua. Joshua is one of the most fascinating characters in the Bible. I really, I feel, really feel like I can relate to Joshua. Joshua was kind of like a servant leader, okay? I like to refer to him as like a sheepdog, okay? You got the shepherd. Kevin's more of the shepherd. He's out front. He's leading the, the herd. Is that what a bunch of sheep are called? It's the herd, right? Yes. It's not a pack, is it? We're not a pack. <laughs> flock. Bless God. The flock. Kevin is leading the flock. But in the flock, there are some sheepdogs that are in there with you. And I'm more like a sheepdog. I'm helping to kind of keep us all in the same line. But I'm in the flock with you, okay? So, and Joshua is kind of like that. He's like a sheepdog, um, at least in my mind, looking uh, through, through his life. Man, Joshua has been around the block. Joshua was there. He was one of the original spies that spied out the land and gave a good report and then had to endure the consequences of all of those that gave the negative report. 
He trained under Moses. He walked up on the mountain with him. He watched him lead. He led conquests into the Canaan land. Uh, he marched around Jericho. He helped divide the land to the Israelite tribes. Okay, Joshua has seen some stuff, okay? Um, and now where we're at in the scripture is Joshua has, he's come to the end of his life and he's giving his, basically his state of the union address. This is a covenant renewal ceremony at a place called Shechem. And the first thing he does is he gathers all of the leaders together and he says, hey guys, listen up. These are the things not to do. I need you to not marry the women in this land. And here's why. Because if you marry the women in this land, more often than not, you'll start worshiping their gods. And when you start worshiping their gods, you're gonna be enslaved to their kings. So do not, do not, do not intermingle with the women of this land and become enslaved to their kings and worship their gods. He tells this to the leadership first. And then he gathers all of the people together for his State of the Union Covenant Renewal Address, okay? And then he reminds the people of everything that God has brought them through. He said, remember when your forefathers marched, uh, were in bondage in Egypt, and I brought you out, and I, I swallowed up Pharaoh in the Red Sea. He's speaking with, with God's authority and from God's POV. And he says, remember when I did all these things, and then I gave you the land, and above all, I gave you fruit that you did not plant, and I gave you land that you did nothing to cultivate. I rewarded you with that. Okay, Joshua lays out and gives everybody their history, and this is where we are now. So we're going to pick up in chapter 24, and I'm going to ask you to stand and read with me. It's a fairly lengthy passage, so I'll take a sip. It's nothing like last week, all 47 verses that we read, but it's about 11 of them, so get ready. Here we go. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, 
No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. Father, thank you so much for your word. We stand on your word and its promises. We thank you that your word illuminates the dark places in our life, that you bring them to the front so that they can be turned and inclined to you, God, and we are ready to respond to all that you ask us this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So Joshua's got all the people out there, just like this, all the people, Okay. And Joshua is renewing the covenant that they have. Covenant was a big deal. We, did, we take covenant lightly these days, but marriage is a covenant. And, and more often than not, it has become flippant, and we look for excuses to get out of covenant. But covenant is a serious thing in God's eyes. And, jo- and Joshua is renewing this covenant because he's come to the end of his life, and the conquest of Canaan is not complete. Okay, there are still enemies in the land, but he's come to the end of his tenure and he knows that the people need to be walking in step with the Lord if they're going to continue the conquest of this land that was promised. So this was a big deal to Joshua at the end of his life. So Joshua gives the people basically three options, maybe 3.5. Okay, because the first one's kind of like twofold. He gives the people uh, 3.5 options. Okay. The first one he said is, okay, do you want to serve the God of your fathers beyond the river? Okay, beyond the river, when before they crossed over Jordan. And these were gods of their own making. Do you guys remember the story where Moses goes up on the mountain and he goes and gets the commandments? Well, Joshua went up there with him. He didn't go all the way to the top, but he went up there with him. And Moses goes and gets the, gets the commandments, and he comes down, and they had a DIY version of God right there in the middle, and all the people was worshiping. Y'all remember that? The golden calf. I mean, you don't remember it, but you remember the story, okay? Right? They had a DIY version. This was a God of their own making. And so Joshua's first option is, do you guys want to have a God of your own design? Do you, do you want to create this image of God in your own mind, in your own life? Is this the God that you want? Okay, this self-made God. And Joshua even reminds them in 20, chapter 24, verse 13, right before he gets into this, he says, I, this is God speaking, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. So all that self-made nonsense goes right out the window. But do you want a God of your own making? This was, this was their first option, okay? Then um, he says, and in Egypt, the God of your fathers beyond the river, 
and in Egypt. These were the gods that they served, well, not necessarily served, but when they were in bondage. And so Joshua says, do you want a God of your own making or do you want to go back to the way that it was when you were in bondage? And some of them even complained along the way, we were better off in Egypt. And God's like, really? Were you better off in your own bondage? But this is the first option. And not really, we don't, we don't want that option, do we? Who wants that option? Do you want that, Jeremy? I don't want that option. So this is, it's kind of like a softball. He tossed that up. You know what I mean? He's like, do you want the gods of your own making or the gods when you were in bondage? They're like, no, 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 we don't want that. And then option two, this is what he says. Or do you want to serve the gods of the land? This is the culture. Do you want to serve the gods in the culture that you're currently immersed in? And we need to understand something about the, the Amorite culture. The place that they're actually at is Shechem, and they, uh, his uh, archaeological evidence has shown that this was a place of temple worship, but not worship of the Most High God. But there were little pockets and temples of worship at Shechem, and so this was like a, like a, a place of worship. And they served, the Amorite people served mainly two gods. One is Amuru, he's like a storm or a weather god, whatever that means, kind of like Zeus, I guess. I guess, I don't know what that means, right? But that was one, we got answers down here? Or just amens, amens, okay. I, if we need to have an answer, we can get an answer. Um, and then they, uh, they, they honored and worshiped his wife, Asherah, which was um, a deity whose worship often involved sensuality and fleshly and carnal practices. And they would erect these temples around town and around place. And a lot of these temples included temple prostitutes and that type of thing. So that's really the way they would worship this God. Basically, what they were saying was we would give way to our flesh and our flesh would become our God. And so Joshua says, do you want to be immersed so much in the culture that your flesh dictates what you do? There are actually different parts of your brain that battle and war against each other when, when carnal things come into play. There is the prefrontal cortex, which is involved in rational thought and decision-making and impulse control, and it also does not fully develop until you are 25 years old. So you guys don't have fully developed brains. That's why y'all make dumb decisions, right? They won't let you rent a car until you're 25 because they're like, you really don't know how to make good choices, right? <laughs> and some of us guys, I think it takes all the way up till just about 26. It's like 25 years, 11 months, 29 days. Women, you usually get it about 19, 20, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it really doesn't fully develop until you're almost 25 years old. The prefrontal cortex, okay? This is the front part of your brain. This makes logical decisions. Then there's a part of your brain that's right in the middle. I can't get to the middle of my, my head. <laughs> but this is the limbic system. And the limbic system is responsible for like impulse, desire, fight or flight. Okay? So when you, if this is a stove and you go to put your hand on this stove, right? The limbic system of your brain is going to tell you to get your hand off of it before the prefrontal cortex says this is a good idea. <laughs> I'm serious. That really happens when your brain, you don't even think about it. 
right? That fight or flight impulse that comes, that's part of the limbic system. Now, why am I telling you this, right? Because when people are involved in sensual practices and impulse things that are led by their flesh, they create neural pathways in their brain that make it harder for them to override logic and reason and what's actually reasonable in their life. Perfect example. I'm at a birthday party yesterday, right? I love the way God lines up the word. You've been preparing a sermon and you see a real life scenario happen, like moments, hours before you teach. We're at a birthday party, right? And they got this table with these cupcakes and these mini cronuts. If you don't know what a cronut is, right? Imagine a donut and a croissant. Got married, we're in covenant with one another. <laughs> Had a child. This child was a cronut, 100-layer donut, right, from Five Daughters Bakery, probably one of the you know, top two bakeries in the land. I, I, I would give them the top spot, but there's probably that one grandma's bakery in upstate New York that I don't know about. You know what I'm saying? It's really cranking out cannolis. Um, so there's these mini cronuts over there, and there's these cupcakes, and they're all beautiful. There's like a tower. It's gilded. And there's all different flavors, like a chocolate ganache, there's one with sprinkles, and I'm standing back and I'm watching them, right? And the, the impulse center, the limbic system in my brain says, you've got to have one of these right now. And the prefrontal cortex says, do not do it. You have chicken tortilla soup that you've not had on the stove. It's waiting for you. You're going to have a, a low-calorie, high-protein dessert when you get home. Just wait. Just wait. And the limbic system is like, don't you got this. Do it. And all of a sudden, I see my brother James Jansen saunter right over there. <laughs> He'd already made up his mind the moment he walked in. Right, That impulse center of his brain said, I'm having me a cronut. And no matter what his brain says, man, you do not need that. You already had two pieces of Papa John's. Don't do this. He, he did not override the impulse center in his brain. The limbic system took over. Right, And that compromise will inevitably lead to more compromise and more compromise and more compromise. Because he's practiced giving in to his limbic system. Are you following, right? Now, that's not, that, that was a real-life example. Okay, that was real. I saw that with my own eyes, right? But, but if you read verses and it kind of confused you and you're like, Paul's like, I do the things I don't want to do and the, the things I don't want to do, I, I find myself doing, you're like, how does that happen? That really can happen inside of your body. That really happens. And, when, and Joshua knows that when the people give in to the culture and start making small compromises in terms of the flesh and sensuality, he knows it's going to be harder for them to remember the truth. The truth says, do not do this. This is not God honoring, but we've practiced giving way to our flesh more and more and more. And it's hard to even override our own brains, much less what our flesh wants when it comes to our spiritual walk. You see what I'm saying? And Joshua says, do you want the gods of your own making? Do you want the gods of this land, this culture that is immersed in, in carnal things? This is their God. Is their flesh has become their God. Do you want this or do you want to serve the Lord? And then he makes a statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Have you, how many people in here own a Joshua 24 sign in your home? I, matter of fact, I'm, my wife is taking orders. We make those. 
signs. We do. That was not. That was. Sure, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. Right? But you, I saw one of those on Friday on somebody's house. And typically, what this means is you walk in, you see the sign, and you're like, "Oh, this is a Christian house. This is a Christian house. Oh, they they love Jesus, right?" Don't know what goes on there. Don't know what the marriage is like. What the parenting plan is. Don't know any of that. I just know they they attribute themselves as Christians or Christ followers. They will serve the Lord, right? But Joshua, when he says, as for me and my household, he didn't mean Joshua's personal household. The word that he used was referencing out of Genesis chapter 18, where he referred to the household of Abraham. And basically what he told all the people was, you've got three options. You can serve the gods of your own making, you can serve the gods of this culture, or you can serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. When Jesus, when the word tells us that Jesus left the 99 to go get the one, yes, the one was special, but it was so that every one of them could go together. And when Joshua is giving this, this ultimatum, this covenant renewal, he's saying, look, I'm going, but what good is it if I go alone? We've all got to go together, and we've got this personalized, individualized view of the gospel. And while the gospel did come to save me from sin and death, it, it loses its power when only one go. But when the blood of Jesus brings us all into the family of God, how much more is the Father glorified? And Joshua said, look, it's not going to cut it if I just let Cole go his own way, if I let James go his own way, if I let Kevin go his own way. We've all got to get in this and go together. So when Joshua says, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord, he said, I am representative for all of you, and we're going somewhere together. Springhouse, we're making room together. We're moving into deeper waters together. And so they say, okay, we're going to choose the Lord. And then I love Joshua's response. He's like, you ain't ready. <laughs> you read that, right? He's like, you ain't ready. You ain't ready for this. I see you got your Planet Fitness membership in January. You ain't ready for this. <laughs> That's why they offer discounts, right? How many of us do that? Man, we got the Pinterest plan. I got the meal prep thing. Got my mason jars. Got my, got my gear. Went and dropped $200 at Academy, right? Come March, you're like, it's cold. <laughs> I want to lift weights, but they're so heavy. Golly, they're so heavy, right? We do that. We're like, we're ready to change. I don't know that I'm really ready. And that's what John, and I love that Joshua's real about it. He's kind of like, we're ready. We're ready. We want, we want the Lord. Joshua's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And they're like, no, 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 no. We are. We're ready. We're ready. And you know what, Joshua? I love his second response. You know what he says? Then do something about it. Then do something about it. If you're really ready, do something about it. I need a uh, volunteer. We've reached the volunteer portion of this message. Okay? Okay? I'm going to get one volunteer. No, James has already proven he can't be controlled. He can't control his impulses. He's liable to go rogue. Can I have this chair, ma'am? Thank you. You're my volunteer. Come on out here. She was already on the seat. Let's give it up, Rebecca. Rebecca, you don't have to do anything but sit here. And be Jesus. Just be Jesus. Be Christ-like. 
okay? Kevin shared something last week and said, God is not interested in sharing the throne of your heart. And this is what Joshua addresses. When Joshua addresses the people, he said, who's going to be on the throne in your heart? See, Joshua, remem- Joshua remembers the golden calf. He remembers the commandments when they came down and said, no other God before me. And as Christians, I believe that, that this isn't a problem for us, putting Jesus on the throne of our heart. But here's where we get into trouble, right? I, uh, I picked up some things along the way backstage, right? And isn't that how idols usually work in our lives? We just pick them up along the way. Nobody goes into it and plans. This is a, a fun little night I snagged backstage from the prop room. Um, this is going to represent our accomplishments, all of the things we get right that become idols in our lives. And we come in here and we say, Jesus, you're on the throne of our heart, but I'm just going to put this right here beside you. And then there are some things, I don't even know what this is. This looked like an idol to me. It's a little gilded James Hamilton statue. (laughs) Looks like an idol, don't it, Kurt? And these are actual idols, things we idolize. And we come in here and we place it beside him on the throne. Jesus, you're still central in my life. You're still on the throne in my life, but I'm just going to I'm just going to bring these things in here beside you. And then, if that's not enough, we take all of our burdens, all of our worries, all of our cares in this duffel bag. And here's where we, we really trick ourselves. We act like we're laying all of our burdens down at his feet. And then we really just slide it over here beside him so we can still worry about this and have some measure of control. And this is a crowded space. How many of us realize that there is room for only one in the throne room? And we've got a whole bunch of junk in here. Our burdens, our things we control, our accomplishments. And then if you're anything like me, you'll just post up in here too. This is what I really think we should do, okay? Now you tell me to go here? It's probably a bad idea, God. What I think we should do is... Uh, come on, right? Anybody? Nobody. This is just me in my life? I'm the only one that junks this place up. This holy place in my life, the throne room of God, we say, we say, Jesus, we love you. We love you. Why should I worry? You know what I need. Why should I worry? But I'll place my worries here beside you. We don't have so much a problem of, Jesus, could you please get out of the throne? This is less likely to happen. This is less likely to happen as Christians. But what's more likely to happen is this. Just keep bringing all these things beside God. There is a translation that says, thou shalt have no other God beside me. And we bring all of these things into the throne room of God. Thank you, Becca. Give give Becca a hand. She was just sitting. Matter of fact, look, Becca, I'll take this destroy those idols in our life. I'll take this back so you can... She's destroying idols. Jesus is destroying idols on the way out. Destroying idols on the way out. There's, three, there's things in our life that we bring into the throne room. Joshua tells the people, if you're going to follow God, if you're going to serve God, this doesn't mean you're... When he says serve God, 
What he means is if you're, if you're going to go this way, there is a decision that all the other decisions have to flow from. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. When we talk about making room, when we talk about making room, what are the things that we have brought into the throne room and placed beside him? Joshua says, you've got to get these things out. You want to know if you're ready or not? When, when he says, tell the people you're going to follow God, you've got to get rid of the idols in your life. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. They say, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And he's like, no, you're not ready. And they're like, no, we are going to do it. He says, da, 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 da. here we go. It's in here. I know. Then Joshua said, he, the people said, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. He knows that lip service will not cut it. That commitment in January will not cut it because it will lead to compromise and compromise always leads to more compromise. If you want to know how this really worked out in their life, these people said, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. By the, this is chapter 24 of Joshua. This is the last chapter. By the fourth chapter of Judges, they are marrying their women. They are enslaved to their kings, and they're worshiping their gods because they did not make room for the Lord and the Lord alone in their life. They chose the gods of the land, the gods of the culture, and he told the leaders, don't do this. Don't do this. This is what's going to happen. And they failed to listen. They did not listen to what Joshua was telling them. And the people suffered. The entire community suffered. You mean to tell me by me not getting rid of idols in my life that you guys are affected? Absolutely. What happened after they took down Jericho? One person took something for his own and everyone else suffered. God is asking us. Kevin gave us the most sound advice when dealing with capacity. Don't just dump the jar out, but surrender to the Lord. And in surrendering, there are times where God says, you say, God, I surrender to you. you I, I, I realize that there are things going on. What do you want me to do? He's like, get all this junk out of here. Because there's only room for one in your heart. These dissenting voices, there's sometimes where you, you wonder, is it my voice? Or is this, my, this, is this my spirit that is speaking to me? Or is this my flesh that is speaking to me? Or is this the enemy that is speaking to me? Or is this the Lord that is speaking to me? And there's all these voices. There's all these conflicting thoughts that go on. But when we clean out the throne room, when we put Jesus on the throne and we take the, the accomplishments and the idols that we have, we have based on, that we've picked up along the way, from the culture and things we brought over from beyond the river and in our times of bondage, things that we go to that comfort us. When we clean all those out, then we can hear clearly and there are decisions that are made that flow all the way back to this decision. Lip service always leads to compromise and compromise leads to defeat and bondage. We will serve the Lord was an abstract thing to them. It never had become real in their lives. We will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord was literally a wall plaque at their house. It wasn't a real concept in their lives. Worship team, could you come on out?
What am I bringing into the throne room? What do I need to make room for? I don't, I don't know the answer for you. You guys may be a lot better than me. You may have all this stuff in that bag that I can't open up. You may have it all there and you just grab that bag and throw it out the door. Good to go. And some of you may be like me where Jesus is on the throne in your heart. But you realize along the way, you get off track. And that's why I say there's a decision that all the other ones flow from, that we will serve the Lord. And I'm spring-loaded back to this. I keep coming back to this and I miss it. I miss it. I miss it so often. I'm in the middle of a, um, a decision that involves other people. Anybody ever had to make a decision that you're not the only one making the decision and there are other people that have just as much say in the decision as you? Matter of fact, my voice is like one of the quietest in the decision-making process. But I'm in, a, I'm in a situation where I'm making a decision for somebody and I, I moved, I stepped out because I knew, I knew I heard from the Lord and I know it was spirit-led. But as soon as I stepped out, it was like, all right, I got this. This is my bus stop. God, I know where I'm at. And we're arguing back and forth. We're emailing back and forth. Nobody's wanting to surrender their will. Anybody else be like, I am not going to compromise. This is the way it's going to go. This is how it's going to be. All right, I'm the believer in this situation. I'm the Christ follower. They're not Christ followers. Right here I am judging people along the way. And I'm sitting in there on a Sunday morning and the Lord reminded me, he said, you've told them what you want. You've laid out and made your case. They've told you what they want and they've laid out and made your case. You've even considered what the person in contention wants, but you have failed to understand and even look for what I want. Yeah, and I just had to lay down for a minute because I'd realized I had taken control. I had taken Jesus, and I didn't take him off the throne in my life, but I didn't consult the one that was on the throne. I thought I knew better. My control over my life had become an idol, and I had to make room. And I'm still not out of the woods. I'm, there are consequences of those decisions. Just because you have a moment and you repent, you turn back to God, doesn't mean that consequences don't come. But it means that my heart is postured to walk it out and deal with it because I know that he is in control. And so while making room, there is a decision to make. We have a decision to make, but you don't just, you don't just take a room in your house and be like, this is gonna be the junk room. It just happens. Somebody comes over and you shove things in there or you move somebody in, right? Somebody stays with you for a couple of months and then you just keep piling boxes up in there and before you know it, that becomes the junk room. I don't believe that we consciously bring these idols into the throne room. And if we do, I trust that God's gonna deal with us. But there are places in our life, there are things in our life that we just, we bring in and we don't realize we've brought it in. And God has to check us every now and then and say, hey man, it's getting crowded in here. It's getting a little crowded. I need some, I need some room to operate. 
because it's very busy in here and you can't hear my voice. You're looking to other things. You come in and you're distracted. You're looking to the left. You're looking to the right. You're looking to gods of your own making. You're looking back to your past. And remember, that was bondage. You're even getting caught up in the culture. Remember that me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So this morning, there may be some things God stirred in your heart that you need to deal with down here. I'm going to ask the elders if they want to come and pray. If I could get the elders to come down and their wives. If there's some things you need to come and you say, I know exactly what you're talking about, Justin. I know exactly what you're talking about. There is something in my life and I, and I, have, I have looked to this for my security. I have looked to this for my source. Now's the time to make it right. If there's things you say, Justin, I don't have a clue. I feel like I'm on the right way, but, but I don't know then maybe you need to spend some time with the Lord. And if you have any need, if you have a need, if you're hurting, if you're sick, the word says, let us call on the elders and they will pray for you for healing. If there are some things you brought in this morning you're worried about, then here's the, the throne room of God is available. It said, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive help and mercy in your time of need. And right now is a time of need. And so if you need to come, the worship team's gonna play and I ask that you come. But let's not leave this place with a room full of junk when there is room for one on the throne. Let's worship.